I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, June 22nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the latest on Tropical Storm Cindy, now that she has made landfall, and some timely tips on preparing for severe weather. The State Public Service Commission is making moves to protect consumers from the ever-growing costs of the Kemper County Energy Facility. And in our book club, best-selling author John Grisham joins us from his first tour in 25 years with his new book, Camino Island. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Tropical Storm Cindy is moving inland this morning, causing more concern for coastal residents. The storm flooded more than 350 streets and took down 30 trees on the Gulf Coast. Nicholas Fenner is with the National Weather Service in Jackson, and he joins us this morning with the very latest. Good morning, Nicholas. Good morning, Nicholas. Can you hear me? Good morning. Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. So yesterday, a lot of rain, as we heard, lots of flooding along the Gulf Coast. Is today going to be better or more of the same or even worse? Well, uh, I guess you could say today we'll see maybe a few different threats across uh, uh, most of the state. Uh, That heavy rain threat and uh, possible flash flooding threat will continue, uh, especially across eastern portions of Mississippi today. And I see that the, there's a flash flood watch for all of the state. We've already had a tornado warning this morning, and it's not on the Gulf Coast. It was in eastern Mississippi and Clark County. So we can expect more of the same in terms of tornadic activity? That's right. When you have these landfalling uh, tropical systems, a lot of times you can see uh, the potential for these uh, brief spin-up tornadoes. And uh, even though they may not be very strong or last very long, Uh, They can still be uh, life-threatening or or cause damage to uh, people's property. Nicholas, when is is this all going to be done with? I mean, we have saturated ground already, which poses the threat of trees falling over or power lines coming down. How long should this rain continue in all parts of Mississippi? Well, the rain threat will continue uh, today into tomorrow. And then we'll see a, a front gradually work through the area. Over the weekend, that should clear the rain chances away. And also at the same time, the uh, remnants of Tropical Storm Cindy will be quickly swept north and eastward uh, 
during the day tomorrow. We have had a lot of rain this season, and I see we have rain chances next week in the forecast. So what's going on? Why all this rain at this time of year? Well, we've seen a a pretty active weather pattern uh, that has set up across the country over recent weeks. That's brought uh, plenty of systems across the area. And then, of course, you add to that this tropical system, which has moved out of the Gulf and brought plenty of moisture with it. Is this tropical storm any indication of what we can expect for hurricane season? No, uh, it's, you know, obviously uh, hurricane season begins at the beginning of June and and lasts all the way through the summer and into early fall. Um, But certainly, uh, you know, it's indicative of the fact that the tropics are active and and at um, any point during the season you could have a tropical storm or hurricane develop. Well, we may be talking to you again sooner than we might hope. Nicholas Fenner, meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Jackson. Thanks a lot, Nicholas. All right. You're welcome. Thank you, too. The effects of Tropical Storm Cindy may turn out to be less damaging than anticipated, but it is an early hurricane season reminder to get weather ready. Lee Smithson is executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier what people can do to be prepared for flooding and severe weather situations. First and foremost is if you're in a low-lying area that's flooded before, is evacuate before the waters come up. We don't want people surprised by the water than having to call 911 and risk uh, our first responders' lives. So if you're in a low-lying area that has flooded before, to evacuate. Go someplace else, call your local county, see what shelters are open, and then just to minimize their travel. If you're at home, make sure that you've got plenty of fresh water. It's one gallon of water per person per day, non-perishable food, because even if you're not impacted by the storm, somewhere down the road could be and the power could be out for upwards of three or four days. So make sure that you've got plenty to eat, plenty of fresh drinking water. You've got cash because if the power goes out, an ATM won't work. Um, And then again, just don't take unnecessary risk with themselves or their families. Turn around, don't drown really is a very significant statement because over half of the deaths for a tropical storm come from water-related drownings. A lot of trees fall. Is there anything in, in terms of do's and don'ts that people should do uh, involving fallen trees? Well, the first thing is, is you're absolutely right, Desiree. Uh, the falling trees are one of the greatest hazards. You know, we came out of the, the drought last summer, which really weakened so many of the root systems on our trees. And now we're already at 400% normal rainfall right now before Tropical Storm Cindy came in. So people need to understand that, you know, if a tree goes down and takes down power lines, those power lines need to be treated like they're live power lines to stay away from them. Um, you know, now is really not the time to be trying to trim your trees away from your home. So just understand that if a tree goes into your into your home, uh, to stay away from that area of your home all of the time. And, again, th- another reason to minimize travel is because so many trees fall on cars while people are in them. Uh, and it's just a hazard that people really don't think about. But our greatest issue is the water. And then I will tell you that the second one is trees falling. So just be very weather aware uh, and understand your surroundings. We're in the midst of hurricane season. What do people need to do in that regard? People need to stay prepared throughout hurricane season and treat Tropical Storm Cindy, even if it doesn't uh, impact us uh, any worse than it already has, as a good dress rehearsal on what you need to do. We ask everyone uh, in along the Gulf Coast, in the six southern counties, to be prepared to evacuate. Your property is not worth your life. So in the preparedness realm, the first thing that we ask people to do is know where you're going to go if you need to evacuate, to a hotel, to a relative's house, or to a shelter, and understand 
where the closest shelters to you are. Then be prepared to be completely self-sufficient regardless of whether you stay at home or evacuate. Be self-sufficient for at least 72 hours. So have plenty of food, water for your family, take care of your pets, because otherwise you're relying on government officials to come in and help you out. And it's, as we learned from Katrina, it's a very resource-constrained environment. We can't get to everyone immediately who needs our help. So the more people are prepared to take care of themselves, the easier it is for all of the responder community to get in and help those in great need. Mr. Smithson, Executive Director of MEMA, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us about this important issue. Yes, ma'am. Happy to do it. Now, with the prospect of more rain on already soaked land, flash flooding remains a concern for many areas. Jim Craig is Director of Health Protection at the Mississippi State Department of Health. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier what people should be doing to protect themselves. If you're in a flood zone, identify potential home hazards that could be around your area so that you can be prepared before floodwaters would actually get to your area. In addition, if there are floodwaters in the area, don't let your children play in the floodwater. And if things in your home come in contact with floodwaters, be sure to discard any items that come in contact with floodwater. If you can't clean them, if it's something that is uh, porous, in other words, it, it would absorb that water, you know, there can be a lot of sewage that's in floodwaters, and you don't want to be in contact with sewage. If you stay in your home, what are some things that people can do? I know getting clean water may be an issue with flooding. Using bottled water or water that you boil for a specified amount of time so that it's properly boiled before it's consumed is important, but you would have to have heat to make that boiled water. So bottled water is probably going to be the best thing for you. And if you can right now, you can take the opportunity to fill empty jugs or empty containers with water so you can have water available should water pressure be an issue in your community. What are some other things that people need to be aware of? Well, you know, with floodwaters in Mississippi, a lot of times there are snakes that are part of that process. So if you see a snake, first slowly step back away from the snake. If for some reason you're bitten by the snake, do not attempt to cut the area or suck venom out of the area. Call 911 immediately and don't try to catch the snake. But also medicines, you know, if you have medical needs and you can't have those addressed for the medicines that you have at home, you know, contact your pharmacist so they can try to help you get the medicines that you need. Anything else? We have our Ready app, MS Ready. This is Be Ready app. provides great information. In addition to that, you can go out to our website, www.healthyms.com, and get a list of county health departments, contact information, and and other preparedness items that might help them. Well, Jim Craig with the Mississippi Department of Health, thank you so much. Thank you, Desiree. After severe weather has left damage to personal property, Attorney General Jim Hood wants residents to be aware of fraud during recovery. Bridget Wiggins is the director of the Consumer Protection Division of the Attorney General's office. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the best thing consumers can do to be prepared. One of the things that we've been doing today is going to the areas that have already been affected and providing copies of our consumer tips for storm victims, which includes a form contract on the back. Because the best thing that consumers can do is already be prepared with a form contract that they can use if they have to make repairs. 
So, and then that brochure also includes additional tips on what to do about other things that they may encounter with regard to impact from the storm. What are some of the scams or things that trip people up when they need repairs? The biggest thing are the scams concerning home repair fraud. A lot of times consumers uh, may not be mindful that a particular contractor who's represented himself as bonded or licensed may actually not be bonded or licensed. So it's always good to just not make decisions very quickly. If you have to get home repairs done, take your time, do your research, get at least three estimates, verify references with regard to these contractors, and most importantly, contact the Mississippi Board of Contractors to make sure that these contractors are licensed and insured. So you just don't give them a check? Absolutely not. We do want you to pay in a check. That's another tip. Don't pay in cash, but don't just give them a check without a written contract. Get all of your terms in writing first, then pay at the conclusion of the work. What if they say I want half up front? Make sure that that term is in your contract. Make sure that that provision is provided for in your contract, but understand that um, that is a risk. So again, that's, that, that goes to doing your research. You may be able to find a contractor that won't require, require half up front because a lot of times contractors require half up front because they don't have the resources to buy the materials that are needed for your repairs. And you have to ask yourself, do you really want to use a contractor that may have that difficulty. So that's why it's important to do your research. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. The Consumer Tips resource is available on the Attorney General's website. Coming up, state regulators are asking a pioneer energy plant to stop its clean coal work and continue producing natural gas, a move that could save spending for some Mississippians. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition. The Mississippi Public Service Commission is starting a process that could pull the plug on the controversial lignite coal portion of the Kemper County Energy Facility. The $7 billion facility is currently billions over budget and years behind schedule in part because the clean coal portion is not functioning. At its Wednesday meeting, the commission asked its lawyers to begin drawing up an agreement they hope will eliminate financial risk to Mississippi Power customers. The proposal would also relicense the embattled facility as a regular natural gas power plant exclusively. The facility already produces energy using natural gas. Cecil Brown is Central District Public Service Commissioner, and he tells MPB's Alexis Ware more about the proposal. Public Service Commission directed our legal staff to draft an order that will be considered on July the 6th. It sets up a dual, sort of a dual process. Uh, 90 days after that, we will consider the filing that Mississippi Power Company recently made um, regarding their rates. We will consider that 90 days from the date of the order. Uh, and at the same time, we have asked the Mississippi Public Utility staff to get with the Mississippi Power Company people and try to settle this whole matter of the Kemper Power Plant. And we gave them instructions on what we'd like to see in any settlement agreement. But we did not mandate anything. Didn't mandate that they reach a settlement. We didn't mandate that they follow our request. Just asked them to consider certain things in their negotiations. 
What are you asking? We are asking them to try to reach a settlement agreement that would keep the rates uh, that Mississippi Power Company is currently charging at no increase in rates and hopefully a decrease in rates. We want them to consider whether or not uh, they could run their plant, Mississippi Power Company could run its plant just on the as a combined cycle gas plant, the way it's running now, natural gas. Uh, consider that as the option that we would prefer. So that preferred option being the natural gas and not clean coal? That's correct. We did not mandate that. I want to make that clear. We didn't mandate that that happened. But we want them to consider that as uh, one of the options that they would consider in, the, in any whatever, in whatever settlement agreement they came to. What would happen to the clean coal technology? That would be up to Mississippi Power Company. They would own it. We would immediately amend their certificate, allowing them to operate so that they could only operate the combined cycle gas plant and not operate the clean coal facility. That would be part of the negotiation also. They'd have to have our permission to continue to work on it, but none of the cost of it would be passed on to their customers. They could continue to work on it at their expense if they got our permission to do that. And then uh, if they got the plant where they thought they could uh, make it operate the way they want to, they could come back to us at some future date and ask for permission to either sell gas uh, on the open market in what's called a merchant plant, or they could come back and ask to sell it uh, to themselves, basically, substitute it, the send gas for the natural gas. But they'd have to come back to the commission, and in the meantime, none of the cost of that portion of the plant would be charged back to the customers. What does this mean for ratepayers? Well, immediately it doesn't mean anything. Uh, the rates will stay where they are right now for at least 90 days. It means that if um, the public utility staff is able to reach an agreement with Mississippi Power Company, hopefully their rates will go down slightly, certainly it will not go up. If they're not able to reach an agreement, then 90 days from now, we will hear Mississippi Power Company's request to keep their rates stable for a period of several months while they continue to try to make the plant operate. Following the 90 days, does this mean that ratepayers could get any of their money back? No. You know, they got a, like a 15% rate increase back in December of 2015, and they've asked to continue that for some period of time. And our order says that they can continue that when we enter the order on July the 6th. It will say they can continue to collect that 15% pending a final resolution. Cecil Brown, thank you so much for speaking with me. Great, thank you. In a statement, Mississippi Power, which owns the Kemper facility, says they're willing to work with the Public Service Commission. The commission will meet again July 6th. Coming up, author John Grisham tells us about his new book, Camino Island, in our book club. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Best-selling author John Grisham is hitting the road for the first tour in 25 years with his new suspense novel. He has now penned 30 novels for adults and another six for young readers. And it's not just his writing that has developed. His tour has evolved, too. He's doing a podcast at each stop along the way. The title of his new book is Camino Island. The plot thickens right from the beginning as a gang of thieves stage a library heist, yet it's the high insurance premium on the stolen goods that raises brows. Grisham tells us about his book and the tour. This is the uh, eighth stop in three weeks, and the fans have been 
wonderful. I mean, they're they're very grateful that that I would get out, stop by, and spend a few moments with them. I'm grateful that they're there. <laughs> I'm grateful that they buy the books every year and enjoy the books. You are producing a podcast for the first time at each appearance. How are these podcasts working? Well, it's a it's a work in progress because I'm not that advanced when it comes to technology. What's good about them is they're really laid back, unscripted for the most part, and no tight schedules. At each stop, each of the 13 stops, we do a podcast. I invite local writers to come join me for a conversation about books, and we take questions from the audience. People want to know a lot of things about the process of writing and getting published and movies and stuff like that. So the conversations so far have been really rewarding. Do you write for yourself or do you write for your readers? I don't write for myself. That would be a very small audience and <laughs> and I wouldn't make very much money. I've never thought about that. I've never thought about writing for myself. I've never had a story, big or small, short or long, that I thought I had to capture on paper just to satisfy me. Let me ask you this then. When you're writing a book, are you writing thinking the readers will like this if I go in this direction or if I do this with this character? I don't do that because by the time I start writing the book, I know where it's going. I know the direction, and I try not to veer too far off that. I look at the, I look at the readers as an overall group, and I say, you know, I, I want to really please these folks. I want this book to be very entertaining. I want this book to be the best one I've written because a lot of folks are going to read it. I start every book... Uh, with a great deal of excitement, and then I can make this the best thing I've ever written. What is your routine? Since you put out a book every year, do you have a set schedule for when you write? Is it like going to work? It's like going to work. I don't consider it to be a, a real job, but to write a book a year or sometimes two a year, you, you have to be fairly disciplined. Each year, on January the 1st, I start writing a book, a legal thriller. And the goal is to finish by July the 1st. And to do that, I've got to produce a 1,000 words a day, five days a week, more sometimes, rarely less. Take off whenever I want to take off. If we want to take a trip or something, we go. But I know after a few years, years of this how much I can do in the last 60 and 90 days. And I'm always on deadline. I always, I always deliver close to deadline. But it takes several hours each morning when I'm alone in the office, at the computer, at the keyboard, in a very dark, quiet place with some really strong coffee. My office has no phones, faxes, or internet. I can't imagine. I mean, if, if I didn't do that each morning from 7 to 10 or from 7 to 11. And Camino Island was so much fun to write. It was just uh, once I got into the story with the, the, the rare book, the stolen rare book market and the bookstore and the literary characters and the, the setting and all that, it was really a lot. The, the, the writing went really fast. Is there a courtroom scene in this book, anywhere in this book? No, no. My goal was to write an entire book with no lawyers. Almost succeeded. I got to the very end, and I just had to have a couple of lawyers. But they're very minor characters, and I got them off the page pretty quick. Aside from this book, aside from Camino Island... If you were to recommend a book of yours to someone who had never read you, what would you recommend? A Time to Kill is, you know, probably my favorite book, probably the best thing I've written. It was the only book I've written written without a deadline. And in the end, it was a mess when I finished it. It took a lot of work to, to fix it. But maybe The Firm. I would say start with The Firm. If you like suspense, if you want a good read, something that's very compelling and suspenseful, I'd go back to The Firm. 
Did you have anything to do with Gene Hackman being in all the films of your books? And is it sad that he's now retired? I had nothing to do with it. Uh, it was a coincidence. Uh, he, of course, was a major character in the firm and the Runaway Jury. Gene uh, was very good in Runaway Jury. It was a very good adaptation of that book. I actually saw Gene Hackman the first time at Howlin' Mouse in downtown Jackson when I was in the state legislature. We used to hang out there and eat red beans and rice all the time at Howlin' Mouse. And he was filming Mississippi Burning with Willem Dafoe. And they were in Howlin' Mouse with their wives, the four of them, and everybody was you know, trying not to stare at him. But there was Gene Hagman, okay? And we would, you know, we'd look and look and look. And, and I remember thinking, you know, it's probably tough being like that when people bother you and interrupt your privacy. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure I'd want to be like that. Uh, so I, I didn't say anything to him. I left him alone. What would you like to leave our listeners with about Camino Island? What's, what's the hook to get them to pick up the book, to go buy the book? You know, my bottom line with this book is it was so much fun to write I rarely have this much fun. There was never a dull moment with Camino Island. From the time I had the story mapped out to the very end, it was a caper, a heist, uh, just a lot of fun to write. And I believe that most readers will enjoy it as much as I did. John Grisham, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Listeners can subscribe to Grisham's podcast starting this morning on iTunes. Search for Book Tour with John Grisham. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. At 9 o'clock, Creature Comforts. Then at 10, it's Season Pass. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, you can find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays credited that day. Details at Trustmark.com, member FDIC.